0: Greetings, I'm Starbuck2190, usually referred to as just Star or Starbuck. I'm a Mass Effect streamer on Twitch, also an admin over at the Mass Effect Wiki, and you are listening to my analysis of the Mass Effect 3 ending that I've been working on for the past few months. Uh, It's proven to be practically impossible to livestream a Mass Effect game and not have the ending come up at some point, usually several times, during a playthrough. I quite enjoy discussing the topic, but having answered the most common questions many times such as, what do you think about the endings, which one do you choose, and so forth, I decided to collect my thoughts into a more organized, permanent form that way I can easily point my viewers to it in case they are interested in knowing more but it isn't feasible to talk about the ending at the time. As I got to work, I realized it was gonna grow far beyond the scope I originally had in mind. Uh, I wanted to make sure I had my facts straight and that there wasn't any lore or plot details I'd forgotten about, so merely reviewing important cutscenes, collecting materials, and transcribing relevant dialogue took a fairly long time. The original purpose of my project has remained the same throughout, though. I don't aim to label any of the endings as bad or good, nor to focus on my personal headcanon. I will present my preferred crucible choice, but my main objective is to consider multiple angles and break down the components of the ending that I find interesting in general. Uh, This is thus a quest to expand my own knowledge while hopefully also providing additional insight and perspective to you, the listener. Mm, I'll provide some reminders where appropriate, but you'll get more out of the analysis if you have the plot in somewhat recent memory. Also, rather than focusing on technical or practical aspects of the ending uh, this discussion is very much from an in universe viewpoint. That is, I won't go into how well or poorly I think The Last Hour was designed from a gameplay perspective. Other players' takes on the ending and story have naturally helped me, uh, or helped shape my perception of them. So, especially in analyzing those crucible choices, I'll address some opinions I've come across and explain why I agree or disagree with them. Before getting started, there are a few points I like to bring up, just to kind of um, ensure we're on the same page, and to illustrate what kind of mindset I try to keep during the process of, of writing this type of thing. So, first, a a little theory of relativity. The premise that there is a time and place for each ending is more intriguing and also more sensible to me than assuming that some objectively best ending can be found Uh, each of the offered choices essentially represents a major change to the state of the galaxy Uh, the change further occurs as a result of a decision made by a particular shepherd with a particular history who in turn is is controlled by a player with particular beliefs and values It seems many players consider the ideal ending within the context of the, quote, ideal playthrough, typically with a high amount of peaceful solutions and characters surviving, but I think it's important to keep in mind how many possible states there are after everything that might or might not happen over the span of three games. Another important point is the player's perception of Shepard's ultimate goal. Uh... You know, like, what does the player consider a good and worthy conclusion to their personal Mass Effect story? Uh, Perhaps the player is attached to the main characters and mainly wants them to survive and live happily ever after? Maybe they firmly believe nothing justifies the reaper's existence and primarily wants them gone? Or maybe the player agrees with the assumption of inevitable conflict between synthetics and organics? and you know, focuses on seeking the best solution to that. From what I can tell, people experience especially the final scene with the catalyst very differently and there seem to be just about as many views of Shepard's final task as there are players. Another point to consider is Shepard knowledge versus player knowledge. Uh, If the player has done multiple playthroughs or found out about the endings in some other way, they have perspective that Shepard lacks, and knowledge of futures no Shepard can live to see. The element this brings into decision-making is whether the player makes um, the choice based on everything they know or based on Shepard's limited perspective. For example, uh, we know that synthesis appears to be a success, But Shepard might be dubious and, you know, won't be around to find out whether it actually worked out for the galaxy. And one more thing, the indoctrination theory. Uh, I thought it best to let you guys know where I stand so that no ideas borrowed from the so-called IT are expected anywhere in the analysis. Well, simply because... Never during my own playthroughs have I experienced that Bioware storytelling suggests I should suspect Shepard of being indoctrinated, and the various fan hypotheses I've come across have done nothing to convince me otherwise. I naturally respect people's headcanons, of course, uh, but no elements of the IT are even remotely interesting, sensible, or plausible enough for me to consider incorporating them into mine. Uh, Thus, In my personal ending discussion, the IT simply has no place. With that out of the way, at this point I hope we can agree that it would be better, or at least more interesting maybe, to abandon the notion that some endings are absolutely bad and others absolutely good. I've generally tried to be transparent about what I'm basing my claims on, so if anything is unclear or you spot mistakes, please feel free to let me know. Uh, Some subjective speculation is necessarily going to factor in, but I'll do my best to clearly mark the ideas that are possible, only because nothing outright contradicts them. Just like many many other things in a fictional universe. Before moving on to the different ending scenarios, I'd like to briefly discuss a set of rather formidable constructs, namely the Crucible, Citadel, and Catalyst. Uh, When discussing the ending choices, I'll regard them as they are shown to us, but um, in this section, I'll step a bit further into speculative territory. I'll use either catalyst or intelligence depending on context, but uh, they generally refer to the same being. First of all, taking the catalyst information at face value is by no means self-evident among many players I've talked to. Uh, In order to be in the same ballpark, however, we do need to assume that the Catalyst exists and is able to communicate with Shepard somehow. We're never really given an in-game explanation for how this is achieved and why the chosen shape is a boy whose death we witnessed, but we might not necessarily need one. In fact, we have multiple precedents for this type of thing. For instance, as evidenced in Project Overlord, even Cerberus and the Geth have developed and used technology that lets an organic mind interface with a virtual world. Recall how the Geth were able to control Shepard's perception of the consensus by introducing familiar elements like making the removal of Reaper code feel like using a gun. With this in mind, the ability to select a person from Shepard's mind and appear to them in that form seems perfectly conceivable. Just consider the Leviathan's, Prothean's, or even Asari's mental capabilities. It's not really inexplicable magic in this universe, it's reality, and certainly something you can reasonably expect from the arguably most advanced being you'll you'll ever encounter. As for why the image of that particular boy was used, we can only guess, but wouldn't it feel a tad strange if the catalyst chose someone we we know, like Hackett, Anderson, or even our love interest? Although the boy was a stranger to Shepard, his face became forever imprinted on Shepherd's mind as a symbol of loss and failure, so his image would probably have stood out when searching Shepherd's mind for suitable candidates. Be that as it may, the important point here is that minds can be accessed, and virtual or otherwise unreal uh, environments can evidently serve as stages for real communication and events. Uh, onto the crucible and citadel. Then, uh, their combined design has fascinated me, fascinated me since my first playthrough, and I'm still kind of wondering which device stands for the actual effect of the blast. In other words, is the synthesizing uh, slash controlling slash destructive component a part of the crucible or, or the citadel, which is presumably a reaper build, uh, or both? Uh, what made me ponder this was primarily the Catalyst's comment that the Crucible is, quote, little more than a power source. So it doesn't sound like it would include the ability to alter the framework of all DNA in a galaxy in the blink of an eye. Uh, a visual scan also suggests that the choice chamber, as, as I call it, you know, the, the thingy with, with the choice interfaces, uh, uh, that it's not part of the Crucible uh, the crucible can can clearly see suspended above Shepard's location, so <laughs> it's kind of interesting to, to consider the, the, the option that it was actually somehow it's it's actually somehow part of the citadel. Uh, but considering the limitations of the video game as a storytelling medium and what kind of narrative style the Mass Effect saga uses. Uh, important facts are spoon-fed to the player rather than inferred and pieced together from obscure clues, Uh, these observations can probably be dismissed as insignificant, but it's kind of interesting to speculate on the implications. Uh, Assuming the intelligence itself designed the citadel, it's, its body, could it really have accounted for the possibility of being replaced or destroyed by someone else, and it kind of just included those interfaces in its in its own design. And if, if the Reapers didn't build it, then who did? The Leviathan tells us that the Intelligence directed the Reapers to create the mass relays, but I played with the idea that it was in fact the Leviathan who created the Citadel, insofar that it was, in, in some shape, the original physical residence of the Intelligence. Uh, thus, the Choice Chamber could originally have been something else, like an interface between uh, the, the intelligence as it was, you know, simply an, an AI back then and organics and, and would have been exploited for use together with the crucible later on. Uh, either way, it doesn't seem very likely that some later party would have been able to construct a connection point for the crucible w- without the intelligence realizing or, or stopping it. Uh, recall, for example, how the keepers, mysteriously maintain and and revert changes to the citadel all the time. So, I guess it kind of remains uh, unclear who exactly is the most likely to have built uh, the choice interfaces. Regardless of who constructed what, um, what we do know is that once the crucible is finally docked and the catalyst is allowed to interface with it, two interesting things happen. the catalyst or intelligence itself is changed somehow, and uh, the harvest ceases to be its preferred solution. Uh, The process unlocks the new possibilities, uh, but the catalyst interestingly claims it is unable to realize them. Additionally, if Shepard responds negatively to the prospect of replacing the catalyst, it says it doesn't look forward to it, but quote, would be forced to accept it. Uh, This passiveness initially made me wonder whether it's actually prevented from interfering by the Crucible's, you know, very design. Uh, Based on Prothean VI, Vendetta's data, the previous contributors considered the Citadel itself to be the the catalyst, I mean, contributors to the Crucible blueprints. Uh, and, And they meant to use the Citadel as an amplifier and coordinator of the energy distribution, pretty much. We also learn from Vendetta that the Protheans, and possibly earlier civilizations, suspected that the Reapers themselves are are governed by some higher power, but it seems unlikely that they understood that this power was actually an AI that further was residing in the Citadel itself. Uh, All the secrecy surrounding the construction and details of the Crucible in turn prevented the intelligence from becoming aware of its existence and potential, I guess right until they were successfully interconnected for the first time. So it, it doesn't seem likely that the intelligence was somehow knowingly and, and deliberately prevented from interfering uh, with, with the process, with you know, using the crucible. So it either chooses to defer to the judgment of the chosen organic, or some other mechanic prevents the catalyst from overriding actions associated with the crucible. Uh, the terminology itself can can also be a little confusing, especially to a first-time player. Uh, when Shepard remarks that, oh, you know, I, I thought the Citadel was the catalyst, because this is what Vendetta said, um, the boy shape clearly states that the, the catalyst, that the missing component, is not the Citadel, but indeed the intelligence itself. Like, the, you know, no, I am the catalyst, it says. Uh, But but surely the Citadel still fulfills the technical functions as specified by Vendetta? Uh, You know, how how could the AI be the missing component if the designers of the Crucible were not even aware of its existence? So these designations might seem a little odd, but it it could simply mean that the intelligence is inseparable from what we think of as the Citadel. Uh, I mean... What I mean is that the physical space station could not interfere interface with the Crucible in the intended way were it not for the hidden resident AI, even if nobody knows it's there. Mm. And this makes a good deal of sense because the intelligence does say the Citadel is part of me. And we know that many of the station's functions have been impossible to study and, and get to the bottom of, but they've simply been too useful not to utilize. Mm. For example, recall how uh, the Citadel was, I mean, in fact designed to lure in advanced races so they could uh, easily be ambushed at the start of a harvest. So the citadel secrets can easily be attributed to the intelligence, and the components needed for the Crucible could rely on them somehow. And as far as we know, the the current cycle, as a reminder, the current cycle hasn't even cracked mass relay technology, so... It's not surprising that the citadel houses functions we haven't been remotely aware of. Past cycles, though, have been ahead of us in this regard. For example, the, the, the Prothean's conduit was essentially a one, one-way mass relay. So this might be one of the reasons the current scientists working on the crucible, they, they didn't even fully grasp what they were dealing with. As for which device stands for which effect, which I touched upon uh, a while ago, I do consider it plausible that the crucible itself would include a mechanism that assumes control of the Reapers, in addition to simply providing enough destructive energy to wipe them out. Uh, Because even our cycle managed to find uh, a means to control Reaper forces using their own technology by, by studying it enough so it seems perfectly possible that the concept could have been incorporated into the Crucible design, just in a more advanced fashion, uh, on a much larger scale. Mm, an idea I've played around with is that synthesis, on the other hand, is the catalyst's own little addition. Because uh, when, when Shepard asks why synthesis hasn't been done sooner, the catalyst reveals that, uh, quote, a similar solution has been tried in the past, but that it's always failed due to organics not being uh, ready, whatever that means. Uh, and, and it also mentions that the Crucible is adaptive in its design. So this kind of led me to think that, hmm, maybe the Catalyst itself would have found a way to configure the Crucible to, to support this option. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> all of this talk about uh, about the Crucible and, and Citadel and Catalyst, Uh, constitutes a fair amount of speculation on my part, but I guess the main point is that while the mechanics of the Crucible and Citadel raise some interesting questions, they they can be plausibly explained within the universe, I think. Uh, And as is often the case with video games, it's pretty easy to end up reading too much into things, honestly, especially when some of the details are oversights rather than intentional narrative clues, but... It's kind of irresistible to use your imagination to fill in the gaps of an epic saga like this one. So I understand if it was a little um, difficult to follow. It, it kind of feels like a bunch of random thoughts that get kind of jumbled up when you think about it. But but maybe it provided some additional uh, perspective that's interesting to explore further. So, moving on to what Shepard can actually do with the crucible, we are ready to start tackling um the the ending, the ending choices. And I'm going to start with refusal. Refusing to activate the crucible is probably the most straightforward choice regarding the immediate implications for the current cycle. Like, yeah, you can pretty much guess that that it's not going to end well uh, for the people of the galaxy. Uh, It's repeatedly made clear that the reapers cannot be defeated by conventional means, and as we have seen, the catalyst claims it's unable or unwilling to end the harvest if the crucible is not utilized as part of the new solution. But when the only alternative is death for everyone Shepard has fought for and alongside, can there really be a scenario that's even worse? For refusal to make sense with respect to continuity, we kind of have to assume that Shepard had a change of heart sometime after the scene with the elusive man and Anderson. Because everyone had agreed uh, deploying the Crucible was the galaxy's only chance, and Shepard knowingly used their last bits of strength to open the Citadel arms to make this very thing possible. Uh, One could always attribute the refusal choice to a heated moment of irrational defiance or resignation, but assuming Shepard hadn't more or less lost their mind, the encounter with the catalyst must have convinced Shepard that using the crucible could result in something worse than death. Mm, Depending on whether the collector base was destroyed or preserved, Destroying or controlling the Reapers is the only option available if the effective military strength is low enough. Now, a lot of people probably don't know this, especially because um, with the ex- Extended Cut DLC installed, the requirements for unlocking uh, synthesis and, and the other endings is uh, is lowered significantly. But, but if the EMS actually was low enough that only control or destroy, uh, is available, could could perishing quickly really be preferable? Uh, or, or if Shepard's like, only light at the end of the tunnel is the prospect of wiping the Reapers out of existence, but the Crucible can only be used to seize control of them, you know, something like that? Uh, I have considered the possibility that Shepard simply gives up at the end and deliberately leaves it to the next cycle to try and put things right, but it, it doesn't really fit with Shepard's character. Um, Even if important leaders have have perished, and the current cycle is is held together by little more than feeble temporary alliances, uh, Shepard is pretty much scripted to fight to the bitter end, like no matter what, no matter what personal losses uh, they may have suffered. Uh, But Shepard is not necessarily scripted to believe the catalyst information. Uh, And I certainly... Uh, Shepherd certainly has the option to act contrary to its advice. So maybe the crucible and catalyst seem like a vicious trap regardless of choices presented and and Shepherd doesn't want to risk making a grave mistake that can't be undone. Cuz even if everything was was done right so to speak and the the military strength is very high, nothing stops Shepherd from considering the, the catalyst some kind of final reaper trick that they must avoid falling for. Uh, so especially if the commander absolutely resents everything about the reapers and refuses to abide a single thing the catalyst says, it, it doesn't seem unthinkable that Shepard would rather cling to the hope that the cycle will, will somehow defeat the reapers conventionally uh, rather than trust uh, its, its information. Once the choice is made, though, Shepard's final words kind of indicate that since they couldn't end this on their own terms, uh, they won't use the crucible at all. The principle of free will is mentioned, but it doesn't bear very close scrutiny, I think, because the commander does have the freedom to make a choice on behalf of everybody else. Like, the Shepard has a choice, <laughs> but uh, nobody else really does. And submitting to death and harvest probably isn't something that most would willingly do, you know, out of free will. Um, Either way, it it should be pointed out that just because an option isn't easily the right one, it doesn't have to mean it shouldn't be there. Um, After all, other decisions in the trilogy, almost unanimously regarded as um, poor or foolish in most circumstances, still exist, so so the the presence of this final choice is is still justified even if the player considers it, you know, a, a terrible choice all around. <laughs> uh in summary, while well, while certain death is not easily the most fulfilling conclusion to a story that has to a great extent been about survival, uh refusing the options presented by a potentially deceptive figure can still constitute the final stand. Of a certain type of, of shepherd that that isn't insane, I think. Uh, that's pretty much what I have to say about uh, destruction. and I, I will have more to say about synthesis <laughs> since it's uh, it, it, it's quite an interesting option that, that I'm sure many first time players couldn't really um, expect every once in a while i i hear a claim that synthesis is intended to be the the best choice or even quote bioware's favorite choice uh yes the catalyst explicitly states that it is the ideal solution uh, inevitable even but as we've seen uh and already Shepard doesn't necessarily have to agree that the catalyst knows best uh or or even if uh, even if shepherd you know believes the catalyst and doesn't think it's trying to deceive shepherd you you still you can still disagree uh and the commander can indicate that the catalyst doesn't understand organic life uh but that I don't really agree with cuz the catalyst knows that you know life definitely wants to exist i mean hell the catalyst itself wants life to exist but Based on its experiments and data, life is simply self-destructive, if left alone. So it's kind of like, I, I don't care what you want. You're a danger to yourself and others, so get out of the way and make yourself useful until I get the, uh, you know, the synthesis thing working. <laughs> Either way, it, again, it, it makes perfect sense that the catalyst should favor the solution, as it's the only one which guarantees that the problem was created to solve goes away. An argument against synthesis is is whether solving this problem is relevant enough, so to speak. That is, just because you remove one source of conflict, why should it mean others won't arise sooner or later? Uh, Haven't organics also fought each other, even within a single race? You know, uh, civil wars, such as the Turian Unification War? Uh, But... To be fair, I think this is a problem that the player the player imagination takes care of pretty easily. Uh, the catalyst is supposed to have studied the rise and fall of civilizations long enough to to sort of figure out the main threat. So it might only be concerned with the one type of conflict that constitutes a danger to all life and, and it leaves these uh, lesser problems out of the equation. Uh, you know, these minor problems that... Meaning that that they can be overcome without the catalyst's uh, intervention. Um, I often hear it claimed that making a peace with the Geth somehow disproves the catalyst's assumption of conflict, but but I don't really think it's that cut and dried. Um, Re- the ceasefire was only achieved under very specific circumstances, after the harvest had already begun, and the catalyst merely predicts that at some point the synthetics will gain overwhelming strength. You know, surpass their creators, uh, if not the Geth, then some other machine race in the future. Mm. And what's more, uh, among you know, among all interspecies relations data, the catalyst has ever collected. It's, it's not difficult to see one instance of peace drowning among other uh, worse results. Uh, along with other insights into the, the previous cycle, Javik, uh, Javik describes how the Protheans' very model of government was based on the need to unite all organics to stand against the threat of the machines. So, while you can argue that the current set of races can uniquely overcome this threat, even without synthesis, uh, as an issue of past cycles, it, it can't be dismissed. Uh, nor can the catalyst's thesis be objectively falsified. Uh, but back to how synthesis is supposed to unify all life and prevent fighting. Uh, at one extreme, conflict in general can be seen as a symptom of our as-yet-incomplete existence. And synthesis would allow everyone to understand one another well enough that no division or discord can occur in the first place. But then again, you can also just view synthesis as something far less intrusive, something that doesn't alter us too much, but merely provides better grounds for getting along. Um, And I would like to point out that, that judging by what Legion has told us, uh, the the understanding synthesis would bring to synth- synthetics, uh, to me that li- really sounds like something the Geth would not mind at all, because uh, they were quick enough to accept foreign technology in the face of extinction, and they willingly studied organics in an effort to, that's right, understand them. Uh, recall that Legion itself was created to this end, uh, with traits specifically designed for smoother interaction. With with organics, so so when the catalyst says that you know, synthetics would finally achieve uh, this understanding, it, it it to me it really sounds like, uh, like something, uh, the geth would would welcome. No matter what exactly syn uh, synthesis accomplishes, though, Shepard is doubtful about whether this is a decision one person should make on behalf of an entire galaxy. Understandably. Uh, then again, any verdict Shepherd makes at this point, you know, has to be made on behalf of everyone else. Uh, there, there just is no time to whip up a poll and <laughs> let democracy um, decide. So, and also depending on your political or philosophical views, though, conversely, this might not be a decision that that should be based on a majority vote, you know, and no one will necessarily even know that there even were multiple choices available, just synthesis or death. So as a common citizen of the Milky Way, can't an attempt to seize control of the Reapers or a massively destructive blast seem much more risky and terrifying than simply integrating fully with synthetic technology? As a final point of interest, Sarin Arterius has some dialogue relating to this concept. Um, he claims to be uh, a vision of the future, quote a union of steel and uh, union of flesh and the steel. the strengths of both the weaknesses of neither. Uh, he says this at, at the very end during the final battle on the citadel. Uh, as we will see with control uh, in a bit, it's one of the choices that are sort of exposed to the player kind of early but dismissed even within the game as mere ramblings of a crazy reaper-controlled villain. (laughs) I think it's unlikely that the crucible endings had been thought of at the time the original Mass Effect's ending was written, but it still fits in rather nicely. Uh, Since unifying organic and synthetic life is what the intelligence has been aiming for all along, presumably, uh, the idea could have been passed to Saren after he fell under Reaper control, even if the kind of ascension he underwent didn't actually represent the the catalyst's uh, idea of synthesis at all. So while it can be difficult to quickly adjust to the notion that, hey, the Reapers don't have to be the enemy, um, synthesis is no doubt a satisfactory sa- satisfactory solution for a shepherd who kind of sees the forest for the trees in a sense, and is willing to adopt unprecedented methods in their quest for galaxy-wide peace. Next up is Destruction. I, I think, based on what I've heard, it, it seems like the most popular option. I don't know, Synthesis is also kind of popular, but um, but Destruction, I would guess, is what... The majority of the players c- consider like their canonical ending. Uh, anyway, one thing I find intriguing about the Catalyst is that it is unwilling or unable to simply shut the Reapers down, as I already uh, mentioned, or, or direct them to seize the Harvest unless Shepard elects the, the destructive path for, you know, all things synthetic. Uh, there's nothing that suggests the Catalyst isn't actually in control of the Reapers, so we're kind of left to assume that it's simply not giving up that easily. In, in hindsight, we know that it truly does leave the choice to Shepard. It, it, I guess it could it could avoid mentioning the destruction option or try to deceive Shepard in some other way, but but evidently it, it doesn't. Like it, It's just being straight up like, yeah, well, yeah, you, you can destroy us you know, if you want. <laughs> and then it kind of just accepts uh, its fate. An advantage destruction has over other crucible options is that it does one of the things everyone hoped it would. It kills reapers. Uh, <laughs> the other options are are only known to a limited extent and, you know, among smaller circles. Uh, the concept of controlling the reapers has come up, but been dismissed as the fantasy of an indoctrinated maniac, pretty much. And Shepard may learn of the synthetic organic conf- conflict through Javik and the Leviathan especially, but the, the the public the public is likely completely oblivious to these things. And, you know, they just know the Reapers as as the enemy, the, the main threat that must be removed. Uh, and a destructionist might feel that even if you could eliminate the threatening factor of the Reapers, their existence simply... Isn't justified, you know. They're they're based on sentient creatures harvested against their will. They have immeasurable amounts of blood on their hands. They're far more powerful than any other technology in existence. Uh, the reasons for why one one might not want to keep them around uh, are many. But as we know, it's not without a catch. There there's no option to simply delete the Reapers and continue as you were, but you have to account for technology and synthetic life being eradicated or, or at least severely damaged some argue that destruction doesn't make sense for a shepherd who sided with the geth or is general, generally accepting of synthetic life but i don't really agree with this i'd say this is only really the case where the player has our, you know has the answers already and and wants optimal outcomes throughout their playthrough uh, that, that you know, reflect the ending that they're going to choose. Sh- but Shepard can't predict the future, and has no way of knowing that sacrificing the Geth, you know, E.D., other A.I.s, might prove an unfortunate necessity uh, in the end. Although the writing mostly indicates Shepard is genuinely invested in peaceful coexistence, uh, a more renegade approach could allow Shepard to, you know, only consider synthetics, temporary allies until the Reapers have been defeated, in which case the the point is kind of also moot you know the point that oh destruction doesn't make sense if you if you like synthetics. Uh, the Geth specifically um, fought the quarians rather than dined at their hands. but I guess you can theorize that if they agreed to fight the Reapers, you know along with us others, they would willingly sacrifice themselves so other races could survive. Uh, personally, I'm not too sure about that, actually, because both heretics and true Geth have more or less uh, allied with Reapers rather than than faced the threat of extinction. If if anything, I think they've shown that they want to live. But given that AIs are still widely illegal and all Geth were considered enemies until very recently, uh, assuming peace were made with them, One can also argue that the sacrifice of synthetic life in particular is a loss that many other galactic citizens could probably live with. Finally, I'd like to point out that I think destruction can very well make sense even if Shepard trusts the catalyst regarding the synthetic-organic conflict. Because successfully deploying uh, a game-changing device for the first time ever can be seen as evidence that the reaper's strength has been matched, and that they are no longer needed as preservers of life. Uh, You know, especially if the situations with the Krogan and Geth were resolved peacefully, it might further strengthen Shepard's belief that, that, yeah, that this cycle, civilizations have overcome the problem that the intelligence was meant to solve by their own merit. Uh, But, again, if Shepard feels that, oh, the reaper's must die no matter what, we can't have them around, uh, it's, it's even simpler. And just like that, we only have one crucible option left, and it is of course control. Seizing control of the reapers seems to be generally regarded as uh, the least disruptive option to the peoples of the galaxy. You know, no one has to get harvested, no one has to die in a destructive blast, or have their DNA forever altered. Uh, As far as we know, no technology except the mass relays is destroyed, and our protagonist gains the ability to direct the Reapers as they see fit. So, what are the downsides? To some, the mere process of assuming control seems kinda sketchy. Uh, Like, what if something goes wrong and and Shepard just transforms into an intelligence 2.0, or even worse? The way I see it, however, that concern applies to all three crucible choices. Uh, Just what I mean is that even if Shepard means to use the crucible for destruction or synthesis, they they have to take the catalyst word for how it's going to work. And if Shepard doesn't trust the catalyst on this, it's an even bigger risk. Like if the catalyst say says, "Yeah, this this you know this thing here is gonna destroy us," then you still <laughs> you, you have to trust it. And this is the main reason I don't consider any option safer than any other. And additionally, meddling with everyone's DNA or disrupting the technology of of an unsuspecting galaxy in the middle of a war seems anything but safe to me. Risk aside, some seem, understandably, I guess, puzzled by the idea of Shepherd transforming into some, some virtual form, like like, like what? Like Shepard is, is gonna die but, but continue living? Like what what what's, what's going on here? <laughs> While not unheard of in sci-fi at large, uploading an organic mind in in such a manner that the self is retained it might still seem like a strange concept to Mass Effect players, uh, but hidden kind of deep in the lore, uh, there are records of a civilization in this universe. Uh, in the face of extinction, the the members of, of a certain uh, unnamed alien race once abandoned their physical form as a people, and, and instead transferred their minds into a virtual world housed in, in in some supercomputers aboard a spaceship, and and they continue their life and society there. Uh, the story of this civilization dubbed uh, Virtual Aliens by the wiki uh, was told in a series of Cerberus news network uh, in-universe news articles. In, in case you're interested, uh, th- there's a link uh, in the description. We also know that the Protheans were capable of basing a VI on a person to some extent, giving them certain personality imprints, although we, we can't really be sure to which extent, if any, the original person actually actually lives on in this virtual form. But, you know, we, we at least have this one kind of precedent within the universe, so maybe the notion of, of this kind of existence doesn't seem quite as foreign- uh, as it might at first. But moving on to contrasting control with the other options, one might argue that people do not necessarily expect or want the Reapers to be controlled. It's it's certainly true that the idea is portrayed in a negative light throughout Mass Effect 3, to the extent that it becomes, or it might become, tainted in a way many players can overcome. Uh, the elusive man shares his belief that the Reapers can be controlled almost immediately after the initial invasion, um, eagerly claiming it a means to securing human dominance, and, and Shepard, of course, uh, denounces this. Um, Shepard might bring up the possibility of control with Admiral Haggett, but he kind of just retorts that, oh, the Luciman is is wrong, insane, and, and so forth. Mm, but other close allies, such as Anderson, Joker... Garrus also dismisses Cerberus' doings as just, just, just pure lunacy. But what does Shepard think? While the player naturally projects their own sentiments onto Shepard, the the you know the playable character, based on the writing alone, the commander is is I would say not necessarily as convinced. Uh, for instance, when when talking to Joker after the Sanctuary mission, uh, Shepard may appear tentatively impressed with Cerberus' experiments, and and even acknowledge their success. Uh, Hackett, quote, doesn't care what the lucid man thinks is proven, but it, it, he, he's still convinced that attempting to control the Reapers will will only result in, in death, and, and certainly is not something the elusive man should be trusted with. Uh, we, you know, he's probably right. Uh, but, but outwardly, Shepard remains silent and, and doesn't really take a stance on Hackett's or or anybody else's assertions. Uh, as we know, the elusive man eventually did turn out to be right, uh, but, but nobody on the, the good side could foresee that one of their own could be given this opportunity. So, put simply, if controlling the reapers is seen as a powerful tool of sorts, the elusive man argues that, oh, he can use it, and he will use it, Uh, Shepard's allies argue that it cannot even be used, and they don't offer their opinions on on whether someone else should use it. And Shepard themselves remains largely largely neutral on the subject, and once they learn that the tool can be used, they must decide whether to be the one to use it. Now, this this (laughs) rather intriguing dilemma alone makes me rather fond of this ending choice in particular, you know, it's, it's a very hot topic that's been bounced back and forth throughout the game, and we finally have a chance to tip the scales one way or another. Once a decision is made, as a player, it's, it's very natural to be interested in uh, what happens next. Uh, The narrated cutscenes provide some hints, but what the galactic scene will will look like many, many generations later is, is of course, left to the imagination of the player, pretty much. Uh, The synthesis future largely depends on what the player imagines the effects of synthesis to be. Will everyone truly be immortal? Can they still get in conflict over things, as we talked about earlier? What happens to those who didn't want this transformation? Or or is even that resistance eliminated in the process itself? Uh, As for destruction, even the highest EMS future looks kind of grim at first. But, you know, the Reapers are gone. Technology will recover. Uh, What happens when when the Reaper War doesn't exist in living memory anymore? Like, nobody remembers what it truly felt like. To, to have the reaper threat uh, looming over you and will the synthetic organic conflict eventually threaten all life in the future too as the catalyst predicts uh, the questions surrounding control are also quite intriguing uh, how will people regard the reaper's presence to what extent will the civilizations be able to communicate with shepherd what is their cooperation going to be like what, what happens if they disagree If the powers of the galaxy asked Shepard and the Reapers to leave them alone, would they? I've I've even played with the thought of outsmarting destruction in this regard. You know, like, couldn't Shepard sort of be like, "Mm, yeah, I really mean to destroy the Reapers, but instead of causing all that unnecessary damage uh, with the Crucible, assume control of the Reapers and triumphantly lead them into the nearest black hole? Uh, well, these questions naturally don't have clear-cut answers, and, and they might not ever be addressed in future installments. So while while one can endlessly speculate on various long-term consequences, they're, they're almost completely under the control of player imagination. And it is, of course, up to the player whether Shepard's choice should even be based on detailed visions of the future in the first place. Back to the topic at hand... <laughs> Being the only ending narrated by Shepard, control is unique in the sense that it is colored by the commander's moral alignment. Uh, where a renegade speaks of, sort of fighting and, and defending, a paragon speaks of sacrifice and, and sustenance, like like a softer, softer, more humble approach. Uh, the the one for all mentality is strongly present in both versions, making it similar to its synthesis in this regard, you know, one person sacrificing themselves uh, for the rest of the galaxy. Uh, some consider Shepard's implied survival uh, a point in favor of destruction, but it's hardly that cut and dry for everyone. It's surprising that many feel Shepard deserves a happy ending, which involves going on living together with the people that matter to them, you know, happy ending for Shepherd, themselves. But for others, the the survival of the main character per se is is not really that crucial. Uh, instead of having their protagonist defeat the enemy and live to tell the tale, one might value altruism, becoming a legend not only because of great deeds but also because of great sacrifice. Uh, I'm not employing, <laughs> implying any decision to destroy is essentially about saving your own skin, it doesn't have to be like that, but I'm sure it matters to players who, who enjoy plausibly imagining that life goes on, you know, for, for their beloved characters. And as I mentioned at the very beginning of the analysis, I've found that people have very different ideas of how Shepard's ultimate goal comes into play and, and what it even is. Uh, In the end, I believe these ideas are a pretty good representation of our narrative preferences and life values put together. And as if my bias has not already become evident, I I will go ahead and say that I do consider Control the most intriguing and satisfying ending of the bunch. Um, In my story, Shepard set out to end the Reaper War, even if it was going to claim their life. A possibility that's hinted at several times during the game, by the way. And uh, more than anything, the Paragon ending, just the, the narration resonates perfectly with my idea of just a magnificent protagonist. Um, I, too, first felt reluctant about giving the late Mr. Indoctrinated Madman uh, kudos for having sort of been right all along, but it still represents a rather exhilarating twist to me you know, control, but not like we thought, ascension even, but still not like we thought, Um another aspect that appeals to me is how shepherds' connection to their kind will, in a sense, very much be preserved. I, I just think there's something very sad and very beautiful about this eternal mind based on a living, feeling being forever carrying the memories of its loved ones with it. Mm. Many no doubt relish the feeling of, of doing what they set out to do back in the original Mass Effect. But if someone told me, all right, hey, at the end of this trilogy, you will destroy the Reapers, I, I guess I would have replied, mm, all right, cool, you know, as expected. Uh, although, disclaimer, I'd have been devastated if, <laughs> if any aspect of the ending had been spoiled to me beforehand. Uh, if, on the other hand, I'd I'd have been told that I descend into a super being that commands the reapers. My mind would probably have been blown to bits. Uh, (laughs) Therefore, I, and you know, I would have been, I would have been like, oh my goodness, like I need to play this thing. I need to find out how this happens. So, I'd say my favorite ending is based more on what I appreciate about a story than what I imagine I I do in Shepard's stead, like. I'm not sure the peace will last forever even my own headcanon but we're not making real decisions in a real world we're we're just wrapping up a story that that we all have our own very unique take on and in my mind control is simply the coolest ending to the coolest story ever so to conclude I've been talking for a while <laughs> <laughs> uh the discussion the mass 3 ending continues to fuel even four years uh, after its release is kind of has to be seen as an indicator of its complexity um i can understand that many felt more invested in the characters than the reaper conflict and wanted, wanted the ending to reflect this but i i can't really agree with the popular opinion that your your choices don't matter or even that there's No choice at all. Um, Sadly, the the rant-like negative reviews vastly outnumber the more reflective, dispassionate breakdowns and make them hard to even find, but I hope my analysis provides some food for thought, regardless of how you feel about the ending yourself. The story of the Mass Effect saga has been on my mind uh, ever since I finished it for the first time, almost three years ago which I, I just hope this, this project reflects. So, thank you very much for listening or reading it, and please feel free to check out my Twitch channel if you want to discuss or hear more. Like I said, I'm, I, I enjoy discussing the endings, even, even if they're seen as a bit controversial. So, I, I usually stream several times a week, so you should have no trouble finding me there. And finally, I would like to extend a very warm thank you to my patrons on Patreon. Uh, you guys have been supporting me for many months. Uh, this project has also taken many months to complete. And it really has been done with your support in mind especially. So I hope I hope you especially enjoy this. And uh, yeah, thank you again so much for the support. I don't think this is the last uh kind of lore podcast I'll I'll ever do. I would definitely be interested in doing more in the future. It has been enjoyable and I'm sure I could tackle um uh, some concepts that aren't quite as complex <laughs> as the ending. Uh so so we'll see. There's gonna be a lot to talk about regarding the new game as well, I'm sure, as we get more details. But for now, um Keelas a lie. We anticipate the exchange of data, and I should go.